Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Mari Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And today we're discussing Rolling Stone's 250 greatest guitarists of all time and the five they got right. Spoon, I have a really cool insider information about this if you'd like to hear it. Sure, let it rip. I was talking to somebody that I know at Rolling Stone and I found out an intern at Rolling Stone had these in the right order, fell down the steps, and the editor picked them up and listed them in the order which they were received. That's why this list looks the way it does. What the? Are you implying controversy at Rolling Stone? Oh my God, I can't wait to do it. Let's talk about it for an hour. This is crazy. And I know it's low-hanging fruit. I know the, the quickest thing to do is pick apart a list, whether it's 25, 250. There's so much to unpack here. I won't go first, but I got to tell you, I bet we have the same attitude where this there's so much wrong with what this list looks like. <laughs> well, okay. Everybody knows that this sort of thing is a matter of taste. And I will say right up front that it's also a matter of controversy on purpose. It doesn't matter where you're doing uh, s- sports league power rankings or whatever. There's going to be people who are outraged or people who are very happy with certain results but not others and all that. And it's really a point, you know, it's, 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 it's good for, as they used to say, uh, discussions around the water cooler. But, um, but I thought we would begin. I'm just going to go, I would like to start just by counting down the, the top ten. I'm just going to say the top 10 right up front, and then we can get into um, all of the people that are on here that we, we know and like and where they fit and where we think they should fit. So, because I'll just tell you right off the bat, you know, I don't think anybody in the entire world would come up with the same top 10 list, and I think some of these people... Um, uh, wouldn't even appear on most people's lists. You know, it's all a matter of taste. But what do you think about that? I'll just read off the top 10, but then we'll start talking about the people that we feel could have or should have fared better. And then maybe we can talk about people who aren't even on the list that personally I'm shocked to find aren't on the list. What do you think? I think that's great. And we should start our program by saying, again, this is our opinion. By no means are we inviting you to take our podcast and smash it like we're going to do this one. We're just reacting to reactions. So, of course, as we do this, first of all, I want to say yes, Spoon, I think that's a good idea. And we obviously do invite you to let us know in the comment section of the YouTube version here. Uh, let us know what we got right and wrong. But yes, I think it's going to be fun. Well, I would like to say as a disclaimer, when Mari says our opinion, uh, opinions, because of course, uh, Mari's opinion is not my opinion. And we enjoy, you know, disagreeing at times and agreeing. But I think most people are aware of the fact that when it comes to guitarists and guitar music and all that, that I, uh, I know a great deal of what I'm talking about. And Mari's a poopy pants dodo bird that doesn't have the sense God gave a goose. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you said it first. <laughs> I am, of course, kidding. <laughs> But uh, we're curious to see how, uh, where we, we think alike and, and where we do not. And, and I'm looking forward to hearing uh, from other people in the, Ro- in the Rolling Stone. I'm looking forward to hearing from other people in the YouTube version of this podcast that can actually uh, apply with comments or even apply in real time at the premiere of this podcast. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled at Mari's Music and uh, for when that may ultimately be. 
Except, of course, nobody's going to hear that without it already airing. So, <laughs> well. Okay, so I don't think many people will be surprised to learn that the number one greatest guitarist of all time, according to uh, the considerable number of contributors to this article, is James Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix. And uh, so that's not a big surprise. I was a little surprised at the number two, which then immediately, I think, gives a clue to how these... uh, people were ranked and clearly there are people being ranked because of their influence as much as their I guess prowess of as musicians and, or their fame or how many records they sell and all that number two is Chuck Berry so I find that fascinating we have Jimi Hendrix from 1960s and very early 1970s. Uh, Chuck Berry, whose main heyday was in the 1950s. Um, and a lot of people felt he may or should have been considered the, uh, the true king of rock and roll, though there's some argument there about uh, people like Jerry Lewis and all that stuff. I'm saying opposed to the people that anoint Elvis Presley. Um, number three, again, perhaps not surprising uh, to be in the top 10, Jibby Page from the Yardbirds and Led Zeppelin. Um, Number four, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Again, super popular. Um, Probably would not have made my top 10 list, but you can't have these lists without personal favoritism and taste coming into it. Number five, Jeff Beck. So we're definitely all Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, no doubt about it. Um, Number six, I think a big surprise, I wonder if she just appeared on a zillion uh, uh, lists and um, and ended up because she got so many votes, even though they may not have all placed her in the top ten. Sister Rosetta Tharp. If you're not familiar with uh, the sisters' music, you should check her out on YouTube and other places. Uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp for a throwback. Uh, Niall Rogers comes in at number seven. Um, he was with... Uh, Chick, Diana Ross, Sledge Sisters, and has been, and also been known to record with David Bowie. Number eight, which some people might argue doesn't belong in the top ten. Other people will argue belongs higher up in the top ten, if not number one. B.B. King, certainly unique, certainly a gigantic influence on guitarists that came after him. Number nine has been an influence for many different reasons, still is to this very day, and that's Joni Mitchell which is fascinating to me. She's not a shredding heavy metal guitarist or even a lead guitarist that's known for solos and all that stuff, but certainly influential, um, amazing voyager and explorer of alternate tunings and harmony and incredibly unique uh, artist. So can certainly understand why she's high on the list of, of guitarists in terms of art, but I don't think she would have made my list. Number 10 is... I think really the only person on the uh, top 10 other than Mr. Hendricks that would be on my list, and that is the late, great Dwayne Allman, who um, I think both of those guys, had they lived uh, beyond their early 20s, would have gone on to create a mammoth amount of legendary work and been up there with uh, the greatest American musicians who had very long careers like... um, Miles Davis and you know and people like that. 
Um, so that's the top 10. So I'd like to, people just to stop and think for a moment of what significance in terms of big, famous, legendary names didn't make the top 10. And there's one I'm thinking particularly, but we'll get to that later on. Um, I will say number 11, I'm not going to leak that out yet, is somebody uh, that is certainly deserving to be very high up. But So that's where we begin. You see how, how they have some, I think would be surprise, surprises to a lot of people. Uh, it's not surprising that most of these people are rock people because this is Rolling Stone, after all, which was founded in the Haight-Ashbury district during the hippie years of the 1960s. I didn't get an opportunity uh, to reach out to my friend Michael Lydon, who was the original editor of Rolling Stone. And uh, about this, he's uh, under the weather. So I, I reached out, but I haven't heard back from him about this, which is unfortunate. But but so I hope, uh, hope you're doing well, Michael. I look forward to hopefully getting a chance to mull over this with you because I know there's names <laughs> on here uh, or missing from here that you, you I'm sure, would, would have uh, definitely placed on the list. But anyway, now I'd like to reverse that. Why don't you go down to number 250 and do the bottom 10 from 250 to 241? What do you think? I would like to do that. Am I allowed to take anybody from the top 10 and put them down here where they belong, or should I read it as it's written? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, my personality's sneaking through there a little bit, but at 250, Andy Summers of The Police, which is very interesting. Yep, I agree. Number 249, obviously, Brittany Howard from Alabama Shakes, Thunder Bitch Solo. You just wanted me to say Thunder Bitch. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> Number 248, that's a cool name. Number 248, Robbie Krieger of The Doors. Bit of a shock. 247, we have Ricky Wilson of the B-52s. Now I know that guy's name. <laughs> Barely edging out the guitar player in the B-52s is, of course, Paul Simon at 246. What did you say? Number 245, Leslie West of Mountain. <laughs> Can't play the other part of that for royalty reasons. Number 244, Adelio Paredes from Dominican Republic in the bachata genre. Any surprises yet so far, Spoon? Well, I'm not familiar with that particular artist, so I'm looking forward to finding out more about him. Yeah, of course, there's, there, you're already hitting some surprises for me, but go ahead with a 243. 243 is everyone's favorite Aaron Dessner. And Bryce Dessner from The National, Bryce, Steve Reich, Johnny Greenwood, Taylor Swift, etc. Number 242, Lindsay Jordan of Snail Mail. 241, somebody I'm familiar with, Keith Urban. And 240, Aaron Smith from Bratmobile. Why'd you give me the bottom, not the top? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted you to pronounce... Uh, Adelio Paredes, um, <laughs> but I I will say uh, well I was gonna I was gonna mention a couple of things here. Well, you mentioned Keith Urban, I I know Keith Urban is a very popular guitarist, and has a, a very unique and interesting um, you know style and uh, basically being a, a country uh, musician 
um, but from Australia. So that's pretty fascinating. I uh, should also point out that uh, the, the Dresden brothers that you mentioned are multi-instrumentalists and have actually uh, performed with the Kronos uh, Quartet. So uh, clearly, uh, you know, highly uh, skilled artists, um, but probably not that well-known to a lot of people. Uh, Lindsay Jordan, Sam L., completely unfamiliar with. Uh, the interesting thing about Keith Urban, I remember when he did the Crossroads show with John Mayer uh, on VH1, I thought it was fascinating that he uh, was clearly not that comfortable with improvising, where, of course, Mayer loves to jam. So, And certainly, everybody held his own, but you could tell where, where, where Mayer would completely go off script in terms of the arrangement and the solos and stuff and, and want to engage him with, uh, with playing uh, you know, uh, together and stuff. Urban was not as comfortable where he's, and I understand this, I definitely know musicians who like to have, uh, like to rehearse things and make arrangements and play the arrangements and, and things like that with some improvisation. It, it was interesting to see those two people. Uh, so I thought it was a fascinating combination for that Crossroads show, even though at face value would think they might be similar. So, but, uh, so that's interesting. I'm not surprised he's on the list. I would say I'm very surprised that Leslie West and Keith Urban are so low on the list. But of course, there's plenty of people on this list that are much younger than I am, and a lot of them who I'm not familiar with at all. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to exploring some of these names in the future. But I've got to be right there with you. The idea that, <laughs> that Paul Simon is 246, and, you know, I, I sort of can understand that. He's been out of the limelight for a while. That's one thing. For another thing, he is so deceptively great that uh, people completely take him for granted of his fluidity, his, uh, his uh, finger-picking abilities, um, his you know, composition abilities and interesting things that he does with guitar uh, and his arrangements, whether you're listening to the old Simon Garfunkel stuff or the stuff on Graceland, which also was a trillion years ago, on up into his modern stuff. But um, a big shock, of course. He's a favorite for both of us. But just as an example, he is 246. But Elizabeth Cotton uh, is 36. Now, Elizabeth Cotton, who's famous for writing the song Freight Train, Freight Train, Freight Train, that's all I can say for copyright reasons, um, but he, she's 36th as one of the greatest guitarists, and she's somebody who played very simple alternate thumb picking, you know, finger picking stuff. So clearly, she's been elevated to greatness because of her influence and because of. I guess because she was popular, and but there's so many people uh, below her that are spectacularly great musicians that you know didn't qualify, and I I'll put Paul Simon on that list. So, so uh, so that's one that you think should be a lot higher. Um, I don't think anybody will be surprised to hear that I think somebody should be higher than 193 is David Lindley. Um, I think he is, I remember seeing a, uh, a video from the memorial gig that El Rayo X, they got together at the music store uh, in Dave's hometown where, where he would hang out all those many years, and his name escapes me right now. Um, 
And one of them was just talking about how unbelievably amazing he was uh, playing live in concert and how there were times where the band would almost just stop to watch him because he was so great. And and uh, Oh, I saw that. That was at McCabe's, yeah. McCabe's, thank you. One of a kind. So I, I would, you know, on my personal list, he should rank much higher. And there's plenty of people on here that rank very highly that are relatively obscure people. But just as an example... Uh, oh, and to go back, James Taylor is just below him at 196. The idea that James Taylor is a hundred uh, some places above Paul Simon, when you're talking about two people who play, who play uh, what some people would call Travis style, Travis picking, finger style, alternate, you know, stuff, just to me, just is dumbfounding if you're talking about them as guitarists. So I find that just shocking. Jerry Reed is. Uh, a little below there. Lightning Hopkins is a, a little bit above Lindley. Um, the guy from Allison Chains, uh, Jerry Cantrell, he's just above them. So in that, uh, Roy Buchanan's a little bit above them. So these are people that are, you know, you, you can understand how people have a hard time trying to figure out um, where to stick these people. But uh, so that's one of mine. Uh, your thoughts on Mr. Dave? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's really hard to, take emotion out of this and take a, a really clarifying look at what's going on. But let me, before I tell you what I'm thinking, let me ask you, and I'll invite our listeners and, and viewers to put this in their mind as well. We're talking about the Rolling Stones, 250 greatest guitarists of all time. Make some sense of this with me. Does, where do these next four words fit into this thinking? Popularity, best, favorite, and influential. I bet you there are some people on this list that are higher than someone who influenced them. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I can name 245 better guitar players than Paul Simon. Period. You're going to say you have them already listed here. We could probably agree there's 100 guitar players that I think should have been on this list in place of someone else. But if you really took the time, stop listening to this podcast, did some real research for a few weeks and tried to come back and say, I've got credible reasons why I think these 245 people are greater than Paul Simon, that we have to get definitions correctly. Is greater your favorite? Is greater a popularity contest? Is it influential? Because maybe Paul Simon has not influenced singer, songwriter, finger pickers as much as James Taylor has. And it's it's unfair to even go in this direction, but I'll say it so it's off my mind. If you take Paul Simon and James Taylor and, I don't know, I'll pick number 211, put them in a room and make them play their best stuff. And of course, best is another you know, gray word. Make them play their best stuff and say, okay, now you play it and go in a circle. And who gets tripped up first can Paul Simon comfortably play any James Taylor song without preparation, vice versa. The word contest shouldn't come into this. It's not like a contest about who's better. But in some respects, it has to be somewhat because I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the guy that plays guitar for the B-52s can play better than we know. And if he can, another real slight that I'm, I'm going to get off my, my chest here. When you say Paul Simon, the list just says Paul Simon. When you say Keith Urban, the list says Keith Urban. When you say 
Ricky Wilson, it says in parentheses, the B-52s, implying you probably don't know who this person is. Well, how can he be on this list at all? If you have to put their band name in parentheses, maybe that should be on a different list altogether. But I, I'm not coming here expecting that I would have known and agreed with the whole thing, but I think I almost disagree with the whole thing. Well, I, I think that's an interesting clue when they mention somebody's uh, band name and the guy is only known for the B-52s. You can bet there's people out there who say he's my favorite guitarist, so therefore a favorite popularity. Um, and I'm sure people can sit you down and, and, and take you through a musicology uh, discussion with him about why he's so impressive, um, both in terms of just the music he makes or his technical ability, all that stuff. But look on the other hand, on here at 24, and, and uh, oh, by the way, Kelly Johnson of Girl School is the uh, guitarist at 111. <laughs> you said you're going to mention that, that guitarist, so there you go. <laughs> um, but, Whatever. Um, so let's just take Scotty Moore. So who's Scotty Moore? I'm just about young enough and old enough to know that it's Elvis. That's right, Elvis Presley. Who's James Burton? James Burton's king of the Telecaster. And he played with Elvis as well, as well as other people. But, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yes. And here are other people that, so, and according to this, he played with Ricky Nelson, and he's recorded with Debbie Lou Harris, or maybe even been, was played with her live. But, so, uh, Scotty Moore, legend, legend, because he was the guy that played with Elvis. When you, you listen to his music, it's extremely simple. Most high school students who are proficient at playing in garage bands can play Everything Scotty Moore ever played. So there again, his greatness clearly has something to do where where he fits in the pantheon and what records he performed on. Um, and that yeah, but can I interrupt you there? Sure. I'm I'm not going to correct you because that's true. But isn't there something to be said about guitar players who could play more, but they know it's not appropriate and it's what you're not playing? I think somebody like that could be laying the foundation for so many rock guitar players you know, down the line and into the future. Well, there we get into influence. That's there you're talking about him. And I agree. But I don't think you will find any recording he ever did anywhere that isn't that same basic stuff that he does. And not that it's bad. I mean, when you listen to, um, I don't know, listen to the solo breaks and stuff, another person who could qualify for the same thing would be George Harrison of the Beatles. Um, now that the Beatles have made a huge resurgence thanks to Pete, uh, Peter Jackson and this latest latest video of their supposed last song, I did some deep dive Beatles stuff and really watched uh, live performances from 64. There's a ton of them on YouTube now uh, from TV shows and concerts and really enjoyed watching him. And And he's somebody that gets a bad rap for being simplistic and all that stuff. But there's a great example of somebody who only plays what's necessary, but plays it with such panache and... Um, some people could argue he's emulating his his heroes of uh, Chet Atkins and Carl Perkins, and and it's not nearly the guitarists they are supposedly, but he he certainly absorbed that art that he was listening to growing up, and turned it into something truly unique. That that and by the time you get to at their very last uh, record, Abbey Road. You know, I think his solo on uh, and lead work on Octopus's Garden is spectacular. It's almost wasted to be on such a silly song, but but <laughs> um, but a little bit above uh, George Harrison is David Gilmour. Now, if this was a favorite guitarist, he would be in my top ten. 
I understand that, you know, I've had people argue me ever since I was a, I remember a music major and when we were freshmen, was debating with me about how Steve Howe is 10 times the musician that uh, David Gilmore is. And... <laughs> um, in terms of what his technical abilities were, and and vice versa, but when it comes to music and the art, I definitely love David Gilmore way above almost anybody. What he's able, the sounds he's able to make with his guitar, that are so emotionally evocative for me, and and a long uh, soundtrack to my life. Now, fascinatingly enough, he is ranked above Steve Howe. So I think that's fascinating. So I'm curious, that's something I would ask our listeners who have the ability to to, uh, comment, who are familiar with the work of Steve Howe and and David Gilmore to maybe pipe in with their their, uh, thoughts. And what are your thoughts about that? I don't know what the heck they're thinking when they write this thing together. And I, I guess what I said earlier really is just haunting me through this whole episode and this whole exercise. Is it proficiency? Is it technical ability? You know, if you're going to pick two people and somebody's 10 spots ahead of them, I think the guy that's 10 spots ahead should be able to play his own stuff and his or her, their own material. And, you know, say somebody's 10 spots ahead of David Gilmore, you better be able to play like David Gilmore and better than that. And the word better keeps coming to mind. And I just I can't get over. I mean, for example, Chet Atkins. There are 38 people listed better than Chet Atkins, and can they all play Chet Atkins stuff? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't understand. Like, if 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 somebody put it on us to say next time we come back with a podcast episode, let's make our own top 10 list. I wouldn't do it with you unless you were very deliberate with me on what the rules are. And if I'm going to say the most influential guitar players. I'll come at you all guns blazing if you bring me somebody that has not influenced anybody because you think they're awesome or because you love their album or because you love their songwriting. There's so many tangents that that ruin this whole exercise for me. Another thing, and I don't know if it really answers your question or if it's a tangent, you have things, a lot of duos here where you'll list, for example, the duo from Iron Maiden. And that's emotionally, when I was 16 years old, I would have put them top three. But both of them and if you're going to put both of them there you're also going to have a list where you have jerry garcia and not only is bob weir not attached but i don't think i saw bob weir on the list so get your story straight rolling stone well i think that depends i not necessarily think i'd put bobby Weir on here if you were doing duets but what about those two guys from leonard skinner if you're going to go with the two guys from iron maiden why aren't the two guys from leonard skinner on here well one of the reasons is they're eight thousand years old now too and <laughs> but I, I am going to say this right now because I'm sure listeners have already come up with this. You and I play guitar, and we, uh, we are around guitarists all the time. And we just like, I used to say that there are millions of pe- tennis fans or millions of soccer fans. But the difference between somebody who played the sport and really tried to play it and somebody who didn't, um, the guy who tried to play it or the guy who tried to play it has such a different appreciation for what goes on at the topmost levels in the world of their particular sport. I don't care if it's, you know, table tennis or, or rugby. And, and I kind of feel that way about music. You and I are guitar players talking about this. And 
Um, I, you know, as soon as I read through this, there are some, what I find are unbelievable omissions, um, that omissions that I'm going to, you know, get to in a, in a minute or two. But I think that's part of it too. I bet you that a relatively small percentage of the people who contributed to this are actual guitar players. I didn't recognize any of the names. So I'm assuming they may have gone with people who specifically weren't musicians or who are music journalists or critics. And um, that's, uh, that's entirely possible. They may be the record producers. I don't know who these people are. But I didn't recognize a single uh, name uh, on the list of 35-odd com- uh, contributors. So, um, so here's somebody. 105, Slash. I cannot understand how Slash could be uh, at 105 where some of these people are, are below him. Mick Ronson. From Spiders from Mars and and Ian Hunter, uh, Merle Travis. So if you're talking about influence, uh, there you have Merle Travis. And people are not familiar with Merle Travis. Go check out his videos. Uh, they name the f- finger picking style that we all use Travis picking for a reason. Uh, ironically enough, because he did everything with a thumb pick and his first finger only, which is super amazing. Um, <laughs> Clarence White's just above Merle Travis. Pete Buck from R.E.M. is there, and I don't think I put him anywhere near here. I think he's kind of influential. I, I try not to be prejudiced against rhythm guitarists, but Slash is above all of those people. And um, not to mention Adrian Blue, uh, Warren, <laughs> Warren Haynes, Steve Howe at 123, Dick Dale, uh, the, the surfer rock guy, Steve Vai, who some people crown the greatest guitarist player who's ever lived. Uh, Bob Stinton from The Replacements, pretty awesome guitar player. Um, I don't know where I would put him on here. Joe Walsh is there, Niels Lofkin, Robert Cray. I'm going down the list <laughs> from Slash. Um, and and Stephen Stills. Steve Stills, Steve Stills comes in at 140. Gilles, Gilberto, 142, the, uh, the uh, Brazilian samba player. I mean, Odetta is at 144. I don't understand why Odette is even on here. Um, she was a incredibly influential and very brave folk singer, and but she played extremely basic chords to you know sing her songs and stuff. So that she's even on a list. If they wanted to do uh, greatest musicians who played who happened to play the guitar, maybe she's on <laughs> here. Would I really put her a a spot above Dickie Betts? And two spots above Mike Bloomfield from the Paul Butterville's Blues Band and who uh, was the lead guitar player when Dylan went electric and blew everybody away over Highway 61 and all that stuff. Um, I think the answer would be no. I wouldn't put Odetta above them, and I certainly wouldn't put Slash. Granted, uh, my rock band used to play Sweet Child of Mine, but we did it more as a gag because we were not that kind of band, and we all had acoustic guitars that we ran through distortion and reverb and all that stuff. But um, And I had to borrow a guitar with a cutaway on it because I didn't have a cutaway in those days to pull off that stuff. But I tell you, if I could play that uh, Sweet Child of Mine... Uh, and that was the most impressive thing he's ever done, which I think is probably true. Um, I'm not really sure he deserves to be uh, on the list where he is, if at all. Well, um, and I, I mean, our, we're not that different in age, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but Slash has a lot of stuff that I 
I didn't listen very closely when that stuff came out in 87, 88. But then I, in recent years, I've, I've watched more videos that come across my iPad and I won't flip past it. I'll actually look at it. I think he's equal parts underrated and overrated, depending on which time I'm seeing him. But I think he plays a lot of stuff that it brings like 1980s hard rock, uh, some brains. It's, it's a little bit busier and more uh, educated than some of their, you know, competitors. And, and if you take the whatever radio station you're hearing Guns N' Roses on and, and switch to the next song, I think Slash is a very good guitar player, but I, I don't mean to stick up for him in the, in, and speak against what you're saying. He's still, it's still just a different league. And, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at this list as you're talking. Did you recognize that Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders is like more than 30 spots ahead of Eric Johnson? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was going to bring up Eric Johnson. Well, <laughs> now that you brought that up, I'm going to, we're switching over to omissions. Chrissy Hines is on the 20, 250 greatest guitarists. I don't know how many people have seen the Pretenders back in the day or, uh, or seen her later on. Um, she is a professional musician, and she's a very good rhythm player. She comes up with interesting songs and interesting chord progressions, but she's still, by and large, a bar chord player. And again, speaking as a guitar player, she is not a great guitarist. She's a proficient guitarist. And as an artist, she's perfectly fine. Well, who's not on this list? James Honeyman Scott, the lead guitar player from The Pretenders, <laughs> who was spectacular in his own way and one of my all-time favorite guitarists. And unfortunately, like far too many of them died at 26 or 27 from an overdose. And I just got chills because at the beginning of Back of the Chain Gang video, there's a brief home movie of Jimmy walking along and looking back at the camera and then it cuts and she goes into that song um you know i found a picture of you and all that stuff and i'm i'm going to get verklempt but um oh. that he's not on this list at all regardless of chrissy hein being on here that james honeyman scott isn't on this list but but odetta is is just a real puzzler uh, that's all i gotta say um i don't know what else to say you know, and we're talking about people we know and like. There are plenty of jazz. There's jazz people on here. There's blues people on here. Um, you know, people like Charlie Christian, um, who's right between Willie Nelson and Ernie Isley from the Isley Brothers, and they're all ahead of Derek Trucks, who some people will <laughs> tell you, and he's a little above West Montgomery, but some people will tell you Derek Trucks should be on the top ten list, and so that he shouldn't certainly shouldn't be below Joan Jett. Who was capable of pulling off a lead, um, but she's her greatness had very little to do with her guitar playing and much more to do with her personality and songs, you know, singing and songwriting, in my opinion. But anyway, I'm starting to get warm under the collar because of all of this. <laughs> <laughs> and you brought up a really good point that I forgot to echo a few minutes ago. This is our take. And the way you described it was, we're guitar players looking at this. I remember when I was much younger and my dad was watching the, uh, I think it was Black and White Night. Is that what it was called? It was Roy Orbison concert with a bunch of special guests. Oh, beautiful. What a, what a fantastic thing to see. And I'll, yeah. I'll never forget my dad asking me. And I, I didn't learn a lot about my dad's musicianship until much later in life. Uh, he, he played guitar and bass and never really talked to me about it. And I, I regret that now because we could have had so many great conversations, but he downplayed his own abilities so much. He never wanted to talk about him playing music. It was always, always about me, which was, you know, really generous of him. But he was watching that and he's sitting on the couch and I'll never forget. He just looked at me and he said, 
is that is that hard to do? And I said, what? And it was a part where Bruce Springsteen was playing some really, really basic riff. And I remember I felt so cool looking at my dad. I'm like, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And I was, you know, really young, not appreciating that that's appropriate for that music. That's tasteful. That's what you should do when you're given a couple of seconds in a song like that. But he kind of wanted to look at me and say, is that hard to do? And my quick, immature attitude was so i wouldn't consider bruce springsteen a great guitar player because he didn't show off in that moment and impress me well he wasn't there to impress anybody especially me but we are looking at this list whether we mean to or not as we know how to play guitar we know what stuff is really difficult we know what kind of music is really easy and by no means do we mean we can tell you as fact who's good and who's bad but we're coming to it from looking at Lita Ford being ahead of David Lindley. Um, you know, I, I think there should be some criminal charges brought against Rolling Stone when this is over, but it's not <laughs> my place to say. But I, what I mean is I think Lita Ford would probably be upset to be ahead of David Lindley. If you ask you know, her right now, what, do you think you've, you have the chops and or playing favorites and or influential? I don't know what category puts her there, but with all of our faults, we are looking at this list as guitar players who who have that point of view and that will skew us for sure i just wanted to say that i feel the same way about that well yes i'm you know i'm not ready to sue rolling stone over this i'm aware of the fact that no matter what <laughs> list they put out it would be controversial and that's kind of the point of these lists it gives people something to discuss and and argue about and it it ver it um, verifies your taste when your favorite people are or teams you know get to that point uh, on where you think they belong or above and you know and you dismiss it and say ah this is nonsense when they don't that happens to a lot of us but um, there is interesting I'm, I'm glad there are people on here Eldon Shamlin from Bob Wills and Texas Playboys for example you know that's cool that he's on here you know who's not on here Bruce Springsteen He's not yeah, on here, yeah. which is kind of interesting to me that other people that I would fit in him of where, like Chrissy Hines, who is more influential than, uh, than she is a great guitar player, and that he's not on here at all. And I remember when the first time I saw that, I think it was on HBO originally, that, that wonderful uh, concert that Roy Orbison did, I think at the Tropicana in Miami or something, where they had you know they had a you know a set audience of shot in black and white with a fantastic band with Elvis Costello and Tom Waits and J.D. Souther and you know the names go on and on. That that the main lead guitar work was done by Bruce Springsteen, who is but his he's not a uh, well I would call a great guitarist. And, and yet that's, you know, who got to do most of the lead licks. So this reminds me of something where I went to see Bob Dylan at his first show in New York City after 9-11 on the Love and Theft tour, which had no keyboards. And he was just with uh, Tony Garnier on bass, his drummer at that time, and uh, Larry Campbell, the multi-musician. Uh, oh, yeah. Who's a multi-instrumental musician who probably should be on this list. And Charlie Sexton. And... Uh, and so they basically, Charlie Sexton, the Austin whiz kid back then, and Larry Campbell, uh, just an amazing guitar player, and Bob Dylan played every lead the entire night. Wow. And his leads 
are similar to how I described Slash, and Slash is definitely a better guitar player. I think Dylan's an interesting guitar player, but he basically just throws off improvised leads that are kind of funky, but they're, for the most part, are very simple of what they call box blues scale kind of leads. And, I mean, there are times when he's had, I've seen him do stuff in later years and stuff, that, you know, Okay, yeah, he did a good job. He couldn't play. But to play every solo through the whole show yourself, <laughs> and you had those guys on stage with you, talk about yep. hubris. <laughs> so no sp- did, you ever, did you ever read Warren Zevon's book, Spoon? No, I never did. Uh, I never did. Every couple of chapters, he would be quoted saying to some producer in the studio or, or telling Waddy or somebody, I think I should play lead guitar on this song. And they're like, no. <laughs> and like, you know, you have Wadi, you have Lindley, you have name all these other people. And finally there was one, I, I was just showing Tim this a couple of weeks ago. There's something on YouTube where he's on Letterman and he finally gets to play a guitar solo. And it's just, it keeps coming back in the whole book. Like, I, I think I should play lead guitar on this. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that's why you have a producer on an album because you have somebody to tell you no. But yeah, you just made me think of that. That's hysterical. But Bob Dylan took every single lead. So yes, he did, and and I, you know, I just thought to me that was just some somewhat wrong-headed that he had the opportunity, though they were doing a lot of guitar weaving, as Keith Richards uh, talks about, and it's interesting. Keith Richards is on the list, and um, Are you sure? And so is yep, Keith Richards is on the <laughs> Keith Richards is on the list, um, but uh, <laughs> so is Mick Taylor. And I know Richards likes, he's one of those guys, I could see where somebody calls him a great guitarist for his influence. And if you listen yeah. to the rhythm work that he does on Can't You Hear Me Knockin' before, before Taylor takes over the second half of the song, it is, it is like righteous stuff. Um, you know, and, yeah. I, and I love the stuff he does on Some Girls, and, and, which is Ron Wood's uh, first album with the Rolling Stones, and absolutely the best performance he ever did with <laughs> Rolling Stones, as oh. I'm concerned. <laughs> But um, that, that Dylan thing with Campbell and Sexton did have a lot of guitar weaving, and the album is full of that stuff. But, but yes, it is a... Uh, Are you surprised Bob Dylan's not on this list? Oh, sorry. No, about that. I'm not surprised at all. That's probably uh, Rolling Stone calling you. <laughs> Hold on one second. They want to talk to you. <laughs> How dare you say such things about us? Um <laughs> So yes, I'm 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 just always you know surprised by this list. I keep going through it, and it's like what? I mean, Johnny Winter's on here. He should be on here. He's one sixty six. Maybe that's about right where he belongs. I don't know, but uh, he's above Chrissy Hines, but he's below John Lennon. Uh, Johnny Thunders is on here. A lot of people don't know him. He was from the uh, the punk and early new wave in in New York City. Another. Uh, you know, suffered from an overdose, though he was around for a long time. Um, but he was definitely legendary in the CBGB's crowd and that stuff. He is just below Pat Metheny. So John Lennon is just two spots below Pat Metheny. Pat Metheny is a spot below Carl Perkins. Um, yeah, you know, good guitar wow. player. Both of them are below Annie DeFranco. Um, wow. And another thing that I thought was interesting, and, and it brings into the conversation, are these players in their own vein or if, if you took them all and put them in a in a room with a guitar can the guitar just be an acoustic guitar must it be an electric guitar must you have your rig because the edge is at 47 and there's an asterisk the edge without his dotted eighth note digital delay is at 547 <laughs> 
Well, that's again, you know, is this the greatest artist who play guitar? Well, maybe some people feel that way uh, about him. I do know that Ike Turner, Tina Turner's ex-abusive husband, is at 148. Dickie Betts is at 145. And they're all below Odetta. So, um, oh, uh, at least Susan Tedeschi is on here. She, she belongs to be on here and should be higher than 139. When you talk about the Almond Brothers, I know Warren's on there. Warren Warren Haynes is here. Dickie Betts is here, and of course Dwayne Almond is here. But that other guy that a lot of people seem to forget about, no Jack Pearson, who certainly doesn't have the oh wow, uh, forgot all about He doesn't that. have the, the lineage, and he's not there from day one. No, Derek Trucks, yeah, Derek Trucks is on there too. Um, yeah, it's it is it is it is puzzling, but there are some. Well, I'm gonna. I'm saving the what I consider the greatest omission based on what I see on here, but um, maybe it's time for us to play our double round of twenty questions. What do you think? All right, guys. Season four, forty questions. It is forty questions. This is gonna. We're gonna play twenty questions, which is our our game where one of us thinks it's a Martin guitar and the other one tries to guess which Martin guitar it is by uh, up to giving up to 20 questions. We're going to try something different, and we might both fail miserably. We're going to do 20 questions to try to guess a guitarist who's not on this list. And it was supposed to be somebody that we would both know somehow that is not on this list that we feel is, uh, should be on this list. Now, I already have one, so do you want to try to guess mine while you think of one? Yes, please. Okay, so we're going to... Mari gets 20 questions and up to three guesses of an artist that are part of those 20 questions of a guitarist that I'm thinking of that I feel should absolutely be on this list who is not on this list. 20 questions on the clock now. Is this musician still alive? Yes. Is this musician... A member of a supergroup. <laughs> Not now. I don't think. I think the answer is no. He was never a member of a supergroup in the way that we think of them. Is he known for his acoustic guitar playing or something else? I would say he's known for his acoustic guitar playing and something else. <laughs> God. Okay. Is he known more as a songwriter? No. Is he a songwriter? Mm, if he is, only because he got credit during, you know, joint ventures. That's five questions. To your knowledge, do I have any of his music? That's six questions, yes. Hmm. In your recent memory, have I performed any of this person's music? Well, sort of. I don't think you played, uh, you didn't play the, his part, but you performed songs that, that this guy's on the record. Can you tell me, Ballpark, what year was his last album? I can't. I have no idea. Okay. Wow. Can I ask you, is this a blues musician? I'll say in terms of the basic genres, genres no. Can you give me a hint in the, in the spirit of not making this a two-hour show? 
you've got a lot of hints already. Think of some of your, I'll just say, think of some of your Churchill sets. Walter Becker? No, that's ten questions. Great guess, though. And he probably should be on this list. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to inadvertently give you my omissions by my guesses. The guitar player from Jethro Tull, Martin Barr? Ooh, great question. Uh, great. That's three guesses. That's 11 questions, but no. Well, I, I don't want to make this the uh, a two-part episode, so I'm going to be quick and ask you a third guess. Is this John Mellencamp? That is your final guess, and it is not. The actual answer was Jeff Skunk Baxter. Oh, I got close. How was he not on this list? You guys do a outrageously great version of Midnight Cruiser, which has his all-time, my all-time favorite guitar work. Well, uh, certainly of my top three Baxter lead guitar performances on Midnight Cruiser. Thank you. Wow. You're welcome. And, and you can tell Tim I said that because he's the guy that did all the hard work. <laughs> yeah, Tim Perry does the heavy lifting on a lot of Churchill's <laughs> tunes, and I, I like it that way. Good on you, Tim. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I've seen you rip up that stuff. You, I've seen you do Bodhisattva and you know and all those things. So. Well, thank but, you. Uh, thank you. But uh, let's let's take the uh, as, as so many people should say on this list. Let's take the focus off of me, and turn things around. I think it's time you spend twenty questions trying to guess the most violent omission in my mind of the Rolling Stones. 250 greatest guitarists of all time. 20 questions on the clock, and go. Well, I'll use your own questions against you. Is this somebody whose uh, work you have performed in a band or solo? Yes. Okay. Is this primarily an electric guitarist? No. Ooh, fascinating. Is this artist still alive? No. Ooh. That's also fascinating. Is this guitarist in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. Good question. This is way harder than knowing that the guitar is in the standard series. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, there's such a vast sea to choose from. Uh, is this guitarist um, an American? Yes. Is this guitarist known for playing Fender guitars rather than other brands? No. Okay. Do you still listen to this uh, guitarist music regularly? Yes. Is this guitarist David Crosby? That's fantastic. I almost said, uh, I almost said Cantner from uh, the Jefferson Airplane. And I thought, well, you didn't listen to them very much, so who, who else could it be? Well, I actually got it right. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know that. I hope you do. That certainly brings into play my emotions and my, my rooting for somebody on the home team. But if, if Joni Mitchell's here, 
I don't think it's out of line to say Crosby should have a home somewhere in the bottom 100. I mean, I'm not trying to say he breaks the top 50, but you're you're bringing the mentality of Joni Mitchell belongs on this list and the Cros. I mean, if, of course I'm I'm biased, but I want to say the Cros. And I have I could have named five other people. If you're going to bring, see again, uh, favorite list, uh, favorite artist who play guitar list, yes. I don't know if I would put him on here based entirely on his guitar playing. Though, like you said, if Johnny Mitchell's on here in terms of influence and experimentation, but if David Crosby is supposed to be on the list with Johnny Mitchell, Michael Hedges should be on the list, and he's not on here. And ah. he's extremely influential when it comes to popularizing alternate tunings in, and in the, what they used to call the, the New Age music. And so he's not on here, which brings up another serious omission for me. I do not know how many years. Rolling Stone used to do a poll every year. Maybe they still do, but I don't know. But in my childhood, in the 1970s, I would go into the little magazine store. It was actually a big magazine store in my hometown on the corner that was in the building my dad's office was in upstairs. And I would, you know, peruse the magazines when I was in junior high school on the way home. And I would always look at Rolling Stone's uh, uh, guitarist lists and uh, musician lists. The, the best folk guitar, that was the category. Every year, for years, I don't know if it was six years, I know it was like six years in a row, but I think ultimately it was more than six years, was Leo Kotke, who's not on the list. Oh, man. And, and he's, that's just to me, is just stunning where you have some of these other people that I just cannot believe are on here because of their guitar-related reasons for being on here. Um, again, Leo Kotke, John Fahey's on here, and John Fahey's, very high on the list, and a lot of people listening to this won't even know who he is. Um, he's somebody else that died younger than he should have, and he he was, uh, I think they even called his genre primitive now, but he was a solo instrumental guitarist. He may have done some singing too, I think, once in a while. Solo instrumental uh, player who would play a D28 or play an old beat-up Gibson or whatever. He was famous for being drunk. He was famous. But he was hugely influential on creating what has become modern uh, acoustic finger style. And that's in America. Over in England, you have, the, you have the, those guys, um, that, like John Redburn and... Um, Redborn and, and um, Bert Jansen, those guys, and, and, who are Jansen's on this list, and, and some others. But Fahey was a hugely influential, and he, Kotke's first album, the, what's famously now called the Armadillo Record, was on, I think, Fahey's label. And then, but he clearly eclipsed Fahey as a you know, touring performer in, in, in his. Uh, terms of success and all of that and now that leo is so old i think he may have just turned 80 i don't remember but um i see him every time he came to town i was a he blew me away his somebody let my brother borrow his album called mudlark which was had brush drums and bass and heavy slide playing all over it and did a lot of singing but there was a recording of him doing box beret on steel string guitar that just blew me away, that I never knew that somebody could make a guitar sound like two instruments. Huh. And so then I got his live album, My Feet Are Smiling, and there, that stuff just just, just blows me away. To this day, his stuff blows me away. So Leo Kotke's not on here. Uh, can you think of somebody else who's not on here? 
Uh, I can. And before I get to that, I want to ask you if you agree that Neil Young should be 110 places higher than Stills. Oh, that's a very interesting. I don't know, because when you listen to Four-Way Street and stuff and their duels, Stills is the one that's the maniac all over the place. And Neil has that very, like you say, playing only what he needs to play. So very simple sing- single note stuff until he occasionally goes into one of his you know, weird wailing things. I would say they're <laughs> so different. I'm not sure I would separate them by that much. But um, And I, th- I would maybe put, in terms of musicianship, uh, Stills is the... Uh, I love Neil's style as a player. I love how evocative his simple acoustic guitar stuff is emotionally. Um, the song he did about the Amazon, um, Natural Beauty, just slays me every time I hear it or see the live videos of it. Uh, of course, Calgary on the Sand, that, that acoustic version on Four-Way Street. But compare that to See the Changes and... Uh, the lead work that Stills does on some of those, you know, I Give You Give Blind, all those songs. I don't know. That's a tough, that's a toughie yeah. for me. Two different I, styles. I just don't think they should be 110 apart, period, even if you want to juxtapose where they go. Oh, okay. I'll buy that. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. I will say that's true. Yeah, but to answer your question more directly, uh, I would put not only Walter Becker from Steely Dan here, but John Harrington, who's not going to get props for being a founding member of anything, but being the studio guy that, Fagan goes to and has, has been on the touring band of, of Steely Dan since, you know, since ever. Um, well, if you're going to do that, I would I throw out Dean Parks, too, who uh, did the... Oh, yeah. ...did the uh, fantastic, uh, you know, mouth, that mouth-driven Wawa stuff on Haitian Divorce and... and oh, right. Was, I forgot he did that. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Um, maybe the biggest omission, and this isn't somebody that I know a ton about, but I think a lot of my heroes would say he's supposed to be here. How about Tommy Tedesco from The Wrecking Crew? Very good. Yeah, I'm surprised he's not on here, too. That was exactly well somebody I was thinking about before we got on here, one of those kind of session people who's on a million uh, records. and Well, not really a million, but that, that's going to bring me up shortly to my, the greatest omission in my mind, somebody who was on... I'll just put this out as a trivia question. At the time he died in the mid-1970s, this uh, guitarist was on... He is in the union files of uh, appearing in more recording sessions and more records than any other musician in the American Musicians Union. And we'll get to that in a minute. So here's somebody... Okay, here's another kind of trivia question for people listening to this. Who is the guitarist that for many years was considered by many, many people the electric guitarist in the Western world, progressive in those days, rock blues genre. And and this will give it away because people used to write in the tube in London and the subway uh, in New York City that this this man was God. And to a lot of people, he's, he belongs in the top five, if not the top one, though you can have a lot of arguments with that. And so before I get to him, here are the top 35 because he's listed at 35. So listen to the people they rank above this person. Jimi (laughs) Hendrix, Chuck Berry, Jimmy Page, Eddie Van Halen, Jeff Beck, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Nile Rodgers, B.B. King, Joni Mitchell, Dwayne Allman, Carlos Santana, who... I maybe have put in the top 10. Jimmy Nolan, who was James Brown's guitarist for years. Tony Iommi, Prince, who there'd be a lot of arguments about should he be higher. 
Uh, he's just above Keith Richards, who's just above Robert Johnson, the, uh, the legendary blues player who certainly has huge influence. Mother Maybell Carter of the Carter family, who I don't know if, uh, if her playing um, Wildwood Flower on a auto harp really qualifies her for being one of the greatest guitarists of all time, um, though she's certainly <laughs> legendary, put it that way. And her playing, you know, Wildwood Flower on her L5 or whatever. Uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Uh, Freddie King. He's above Stevie Ray Vaughan, who some people would place higher. Randy Rhodes, of course. Uh, some people would place him higher, probably. He's just above Albert King. And then you have uh, James Hetfield and Kirk Hammond of Metallica, who are together as a duo. They're just above James Burton. Uh <laughs> the uh, the so, uh, session and concert player for for Elvis and people like that. Um, John Fruscianti, who I do not know, so that's somebody I want to look up. That's the Red Hot Chili Peppers guy. Oh, the guy from, okay, I know him and I know his stuff. Okay, I, I can see why he'd be on the list. Would I put him 220 paces above Paul Simon? I'm not sure. Uh, St. Vincent, <laughs> I'm barely familiar with. Buddy Guy, is above David Gilmore, who's above Eddie Hazel uh, from Parliament, who's above Neil Young, who's above George Harrison, who's above Jack White, who's above Brian May, who's above Jerry Garcia. And I'll tell you right now, with given George Harrison's inferiority complex with this next musician, he wouldn't put himself above Eric Clapton, but Eric Clapton is all the way down at 35 and I think that reflects the modern revisionist history where he gets, he's dissed these days as, as being overrated. And when other people are on here clearly for their influence that Eric Clapton is 35, uh, from his work with Bluesbreakers, which I may all, before uh, the uh, Yardbirds, hugely influential, arguably the most influential rock band other than uh, the Beatles, a Cream, The Blind Faith, one album, World Wonder, Derek and the Dominoes with Dwayne Allman, and of course his long, long solo career. He's one thing above Elizabeth Cotton. So, <laughs> go figure. I don't know. I, uh, the best I can say about this list is I'm, I certainly did no research besides reading the list, so I do not deserve... Uh, for my voice to be heard more, but a lot of this list really just, I'll say it confuses me. It'll make me bring an open mind to any list I see after this, because if you would have said the top 10 guitarists of, say, all time of this year, that year, I think I could look back in the last decade and expect to know two or three of them, no matter what magazine's doing it. This is just such a gigantic list. In fairness, if it was the top 20, maybe... I wonder, that's a good question for you, Spoon. Do you think if they had to redo this and make it just 20, would any of these writers and contributors change any answer if you had to pare it down further, or would they stick with this top that's 20? That's a great question. I doubt they would stick with this. I doubt it. That's a fascinating thing. But again, these are like 35, 37 different things. I'm sure nobody was satisfied with the final thing. Maybe it was even done with the help of a computer. But I think it's uh, it's fascinating. I enjoyed this. I think other people should check it out. If for no other reason to learn about musicians you've never really listened to or even heard of, that some very uh, highly respected people who know modern music 
think belong on this list. And I'm going to do that. There's names on here I've never heard or only heard yeah. of. And I'm happy to see Carlos Santana has the lasting power because he's still alive. And I'll tell you right now, if Eric Clapton had died of a heroin overdose right after or right before the double album Layla had been released, he would be number one or number two, right up there with Jimi Hendrix. Um, but because Hendrix is going to stay 27 forever and forever that rebellious, mind-blowing freak uh, uh-huh. of a guitar player that he was, he will, and I think he belongs up there. He's definitely one of those people. Like I said, I think he and Dwayne Allman, had they lived, when, uh, Hendrix was uh, supposedly was getting ready to, uh, to look into trying to collaborate with Miles Davis and like branch out from you know, what he had been doing. And, um, wow. And I think, uh, I think both of those people would have gone on to, uh, you know, spectacular. They're already legends, but I think they're both dying at such young, a young age uh, had something to do with that because they're forever young. Uh, just like Brian Jones, who, who is not on the list. And I remember having an argument with a, in college where somebody was saying that he could play the sitar and all these things. And it's like, this guy was not a musician. It was like, yeah, I could probably have played anything Brian Jones played on a sitar if I'd sat down with a sitar and worked it out. He clearly just kind of played it like a guitar and worked it out and did stuff. And he was, you know, he was, you know, perfectly capable. But, you know, he was no, he was no Mick Taylor as far as I was concerned. But anyway, um, so I've been saving my omission. Uh, we're probably going to need to shut this down because we've been going a while. So do you have any last thoughts before I pontificate on the what I consider the greatest omission on this list? Honestly, nothing that would really be earth-shattering and, and it would just be an echo of what I've been saying the whole time. I do want to take this quick opportunity to invite you guys to let us know what you think of this list in general, whether you want to give us your top five, maybe you want to tell us your most glaring omission. Let us know what you think by emailing us or leaving your comment or your live chat in the YouTube version of this podcast. But don't keep me wondering, as Almond Brothers would say, what is your big omission, Spoon? Well, I'm just going to, people, some of you are already going to guess this. Um, and you, I recommend anybody go to my website or search Google for one man's with a Z dot com and the words George Barnes, B A R N E S. George Barnes is probably the first man to play an electric guitar. When he was a little kid, about 10 years old, his brother took some kind of microphone or sensor from from something and put it on a guitar. For a long time, people thought he was the first person to record on the guitar, and that's been refuted. Um, and But there is plenty of historical documents out there saying he was. Uh, he never claimed to be. But at the age of 13, he joined the Musicians' Union, at the age of 16, he was hired by NBC to be the youngest arranger and conductor in the network's history and was given a job at uh, W, I can't remember, the big radio station in Chicago and was given his own 15-minute program uh, with what was basically what we would call a jazz orchestra. And his big rival was Les Paul, Barnes, um, and Paul were always neck and neck. They actually recorded one album together many years later in the 70s where they lived together for two weeks at Paul's house. And Les Paul would put down the leads and George Barnes recorded everything else. But wow. he, he's in the only musician who's in, in um, the Jazz Hall of Fame and the Rockabilly Hall of Fame. 
because he was a huge early influence on very early electric uh, country music. Uh, was on, in the band for um, natural ba- National Barn Dance, which was out of Chicago and was the precursor to the Grand Old Opry. He, at the time he died, was on, in appeared on more sessions and on more records than any other musician. He's on a hundred blues records alone in, just in the 1930s. Uh, huge session musician, was eventually bought out by Decca, went and lived in New York City in Decca. Big uh, old friends of Bucky Pizzarelli, and they played together for a while. Oh. I highly recommend everybody check him out. Um, let's see. Chad Atkins, um, Les Paul, Eric Clapton. There's like big, long lists of people that always list George Barnes as a major influence on their playing. He played the first electric guitar in a Bob Dylan a cut that did not make the album, so it's an outtake um, uh, from his second album. But he plays bass for the album Free Will and Bob Dylan. And um, I would always wondered what he actually thought of young Bobby Dylan um, as the preeminent, you know, sort of black tie jazz guitarist. And then he dropped out of a heart attack at the age of, I think, 56 in the early 70s, unfortunately. And his last recording, which was of his last concert, is absolutely fantastic. It's traditional sort of black tie jazz kind of stuff you'd hear coming out when you were coming, you know, coming out as Johnny Carson guest on The Tonight Show. It's that kind of music. But uh, <laughs> um, I remember seeing on television, because I was like home with a flu or something, Duke Ellington's orchestra playing when he was very old. And he was saying, and he was introducing the band, and he introduced his guitar player, whose name I should know, and I don't remember. And he said, after all these years, he's never, ever had a guitar solo. So he was going to finally, like Warren Zevon, get, let him play a guitar solo. <laughs> and so they go through this big, long, big bands thing, and then they end with a with a uh, a pause, a rest, and he plays one note, and then plays a chord, <laughs> and then they end the whole thing. Uh, I'm sure some people, whoever that guy's name is, I don't remember now, would probably tell you he was one of the greatest guitarists who ever lived, but he's not on the list. <laughs> so there we have it, our grumpy old man's take on Rolling Stone's 250 greatest guitarists of all time. By the way, uh, Django Reinhardt is on the list, just so you know, though he's probably lower than he should be. Who are you calling grumpy? <laughs> well, Spoon, you know what the music means. It's about time for us to say goodbye. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend and consider giving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. From all of us at Martins and More, thanks for listening. Grump you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.